Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Kinnealy. What's up Young Adults Today fam? It's Josiah and before today's episode, Micah and I just want to stop and say thanks for the work you're doing to reach young adults for Christ in our world today and in your community, in your church, on your college campus. Look, the work you're doing is so vital. It's incredibly important. You are making a difference. We're grateful, we're cheering you on. And as we look to the end of 2023, both this podcast and the ministry of Young Adults Today is made possible by people like you and the generous kingdom investments and financial partnerships. So if you'd consider a year-end gift of any size or becoming a monthly partner going into 2024 we would be so grateful we are in this together look the last thing is we want you to mark your calendars for march 1st and 2nd 2024 in minneapolis minnesota the young adults today leader conference is a chance to gather together to grow together it's going to be fun it won't be the same without you in the room so check out more the links are in the show notes you can visit www.youngadults.today conference now here's for a brand new episode today what's up guys we hope you're feeling alive this morning today And this is the Young Adults Today podcast where we Mm -hmm. talk about the faith of the next generation, Mm -hmm. reaching young adults in our world today for Christ. I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Micah Keneally. So happy Monday, everybody. If it's your first time tuning in, you can go back and listen to almost over three years of worth of content. So if you want to share with your friends, share with your coworkers, share with your life groups, your Bible studies, um, and just kind of tackling some of the, the tough questions that the world is up against in leadership. So if you want to rate, review, subscribe, and just let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we can be doing better. So happy Monday. So, so excited today to be in a mini series called Hello Gen Z. And we know that mm-hmm. on college campuses and in young adult ministries across the country, that Gen Z has arrived and Mm -hmm. uh, we just want to help you be prepared and ready in and out of season to be like the men of Issachar who understood the times, who know what to do. And uh, we are joined today by a special guest. Take us to that place. Oh, yes. Well, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. And for the audience who does not know, it's always fun to have a female guest on the on the show, I think. It just makes it extra special, extra Aww. fun to see what God's doing just across the globe, across denominations, for his kingdom. And our special guest today is actually Kelly Patrick. If you do not know who she is, Kelly has a passion for youth and is a missionary to Youth Alive. Come on, somebody, Youth Alive, and specifically Woo. in Minnesota. So Minnesota Youth Alive has a mission to reach every student on every campus in every community with a relevant message of hope found in Jesus Christ. Their dream is to bring the life-giving message of hope to over 430,000 students who attend the 407 public, oh, 704, see, there's dyslexia comes in, public school campuses of Minnesota every four years. And Youth Alive works across denominations through a wide variety of strategies to do two main things. And I'm sure if I asked Kelly, I could, she would know exactly what they are, but I'll tell you what they are. Number one is to empower. You guys, empowerment is so important. Empower students to reach students. And number two is to connect churches and youth ministries to local schools. What an incredible mission that is. So Kelly, thank you for saying yes to us today. 
Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, when Micah, when you guys asked, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why they're asking me, but I, I feel honored to be on the podcast today. So thank you guys so much. For sure. And Kelly, what we'd love is if you just share some of your life journey and leadership and really what, what we would love to hear is why does your heart beat and bleed for the next generation? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just share a little bit of my, kind of my story, my testimony. Um, I'm a South Dakota girl, grew up in South Dakota, born and raised in the church. Um, never, I've come from a huge family of teachers. So never thought I'd be in ministry. So I'd be a teacher or I really loved math, so an accountant. Um, but I was like nine when I said that. So I don't think I understood <laughs> what that even meant. But um, yeah, in eighth grade, felt called um, at a youth convention, felt called to youth ministry. Um, I don't think I really knew what that 100% meant. Um, and I always felt like, hey, that's my calling. And then I got became a senior. And I feel like reality sets in as a senior where you're like, I felt called, but now I really question it because now I've got to make a choice to spend a lot of money uh, to do this. Or like, this is a life choice at this point. And I found myself at youth convention again in my senior year. And I was just at the altars and I was like, okay, Lord, like I'm, I'm willing to go and do ministry, but right now I need to know that wasn't just like an eighth grader feeling or thinking they were called. I need to know that it's actually still what you desire for my life. And, um, at the altars, I was like, Lord, speak to me. And all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder and, um, I don't even know who this girl is to this day. Um, she looks at me and she's like, Hey, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know you. I have, I have no idea if this even makes sense, but I'm just going to be obedient. And she said, um, the Lord called you to something, told you something, and you're questioning that. And he wants you to know that he's still calling you to that today. And I was like, I'm sobbing. And she's like, does that even make sense? And I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense. And um, from that point on, I knew I was just called to youth ministry. Uh, went to North Central with my husband. Uh we got married at North Central and then uh, went into youth ministry. And I was a youth pastor for eight years. And um, what I what I remember is being at a youth pastor's retreat and uh, a pastor was speaking and sharing, just talking to us. And he said something, he goes, uh, sometimes in youth ministry, your calling becomes your title. And if you lost your title, would you still feel called? And um like some people, that's like obvious, like, yes, I still feel called. But as a person who thought calling meant ministry, calling meant a title, I had to really separate like, man, if I was no longer a youth pastor, would I feel like God is still calling me? Obviously he is, but I had tied the two so much together that I really had to separate them into like, God's calling me not as just a youth pastor. He's calling me in my life in different ways, um, just in everyday things. And so um, after that message was spoken, I really every single year just was like, okay, God, are you still calling me to be a youth pastor? Like, what is the calling you have for me in my life right now? Um, and so we were in between youth pastor positions. And I was like, I just want to pray about what God's leading us into as a family and me as a job. And Youth Alive came on my heart and um, my husband's heart. And so we're like, okay, let's think about this. Let's pursue it. We walked into it just kind of asking questions and we just hit like closed doors, which you're like, if God wants you to do this, he doesn't like closed doors. He leaves them open. So, um, and then a door opened for me to do youth ministry part-time. 
So I did that for a couple of years. And um, then I had a conversation with someone. They're like, would you ever consider doing Youth Alive here in Minnesota with the director here, Richard Baker? And um, I was like, yeah, I, I would definitely consider doing that. Um, not really not really thinking that door was even still open. Um, I, I would consider that. But I was also in the mindset of like youth ministry is going well. And it's interesting how we want to like leave ministry or leave a spot or a position when it's like rocky instead of leaving it like, well, sometimes that's hard. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was not in a place where I was like, yes, I'm done with this season. I was like, actually, I'm really enjoying youth ministry again. I'd gotten into an unhealthy leadership place and I was enjoying it again. And um, so uh, when I got approached and they're like, would you do youth live in Minnesota? I was like, yes. But I was like, I don't really know about that. Like, let me, let me pray about it. And it took like three, four months. If I found myself on the North shore in a hotel lobby, kind of having like a David moment with God, where I was like complaining to him mm-hmm. about all the things that stunk in my life and why I wasn't happy. Um, and God's like, do you realize I'm choosing you today? And I was like, oh. I didn't, I was so focusing on how I wasn't being chosen in other places that I didn't really realize how God was choosing me for youth alive. And um, it was on a prayer zone circle tour where we circle around our whole entire state and pray for every single middle or high school, public high school in our state. And that's where I felt like, okay, this is something I'm passionate about because I saw, uh, I saw adults who didn't have teenagers at the moment paying to travel across the whole entire state, praying for God to move in schools. And my heart was really broken. So I started doing youth alive took that leap and I've been doing it for six years now. So we have four kids. My husband's has his own construction business. We're very busy, but it's fun to do ministry and it's been a blessing. Oh man, Kelly, I love that you shared those elements of your story, even more so the part about the title and the calling. Like if God were to remove one of them, are you still going to respond to the calling and be passionate about him in the process? Because the majority of our listeners are their leaders. They're leading young adult ministries. They might be the next gen pastors where it's youth and young adult. Maybe it's children, youth and young adult. Like it it all depends on where they're at at and what's being asked of them. And I think sometimes we do tie our identity to those two words, which are title and calling. And if you were stripped away, everything at the end of the day, I think it really helps us really recognize, wow, who am I? And apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And you haven't even, you even alluded to maybe without even knowing it, I think a wonderful approach to life and ministry is I'm going to pray for this one year at a time. Instead of saying like, you're going to have to take me out in a box by the time I leave here. I'm going to be here till I'm 50. Like I'm going to be here for 50 years. Like that's great. Like we do as leaders want to finish well, but that doesn't mean that we're always at one location or one specific role. Um, And we know that young adults aren't going anywhere. And we know that we need leaders. One thing that Josiah really asks um, a lot or during a season, he asked a lot over and over and over. He's like, Micah, where are all the good leaders? Like we're talking like Mm -hmm. in the middle of COVID, like business owners, pastors, leaders, restaurants, like just even the the systems that we saw, the, the system breakdowns we saw across the whole globe of like, whoa, 
we are a bunch of dysfunctional people trying to run a dysfunctional organization, no matter what it is. And we need some good leaders that are, if they're Christ followers, love Jesus in tune with the spirit and willing to do something maybe a little gritty or unconventional to do what God's called us to do. So when it comes to leaders and leadership, um, Kelly, what do we as leaders who are leading the next gen, who are leading young adults or preparing to lead young adults, what do we need to be ready for when it comes to the next generation? Yeah. Um, what I would say I'm seeing among students is, I mean, we, we've talked for years now about biblical illiteracy, right? We've talked about that for a long time. What I'm seeing now, in, and I looked at a report that Barna did earlier this year talking about the open generation, and just there is a wanting to know more about Jesus. Um, it says 80% of like committed Christians, committed Christians. So we're talking about like the ones who are all in, 80% of them want to know more about the Lord. But what what even surprised me more, more was that 48% of those who don't define themselves as Christians at all, they have a desire to know more about Jesus. And it says that the first place they're going to look, the number one place they're going to look is the Bible. Um, and then the second place is they're going to look is like a life of a person who calls himself a believer. And so I think what we're seeing is, um, we do have a generation that has been, or a culture that has been, um, biblically illiterate, but I feel like there's a hunger and a desire to know more about Jesus. And it's not what maybe, I don't want to say what I grew up with, but it's not kids who are willing to just take the easy answers. They want to know the answers to the difficult and hard questions, and they want to know the theology behind it. They want to, they don't just read a Bible story and just like, oh, I get it. They read it and they, they question, they wrestle with it. They're like, well, if God is this, how did this happen in this situation? And they want to know those things. So I think we're going to see students. And what I see right now is students who are really buying into their faith. They're believing it, not just because it was their parents' faith. They're believing it because it's something that they, um, they're learning about, they're wanting to understand it and grab it more. And so I believe we're just going to have a group of leaders who step up that are more ready to be bold about their faith than ever before. Um, and they're ready to just say, Hey, this is why I believe what I believe. And I mean, growing up, I'm a, I'm a millennial and I was, my parents are older. So my, I'm, I'm kind of like a weird millennial. I have like a little bit of mixture of a couple different things in me. But um, like, I remember going on a missions trip uh, down in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, and I met an agnostic. And uh, so I'm on this missions trip, and I'm like trying to share the gospel on the streets of Mardi Gras, which is like just a intense moment. And I remember this person being like, I believe, I believe this, I'm an agnostic. And I'm like, no, why do you believe that? Tell me about that. And he could tell me, explain this whole entire thing. And he looks at me, and he's like, now tell me, if you can give me a good enough reason why you believe in Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. And I was like, I mean, and I was like, I'm in youth, I'm in the youth ministry classes. Like I was like, and I believe in God, but I really, I really struggled with like having that discussion on a hard topic. So I think we're just coming to the students who they're not hungry for like the, the milk message that some of us are giving these days they want the real stuff they want depth they want um 
they want someone to really dig, dig into like, hey, here's the struggles we're facing in this world. Let's be real about it. And let's look at how the word of God does deal with these and just bring a lot of truth to their situation. So I would just say we're seeing students. I see students who are stepping out in boldness like never before. Awesome. Um, when I meet with students, it's like ridiculous. They're like, hey, I want to I want to see my whole entire football team come to know Jesus. And I'm like, OK, let's do that. And we start talking through these things and it's it's not easy steps. It's hard steps, but they're willing to take them. They're willing to take those um, putting themselves out there a little bit more than ever before. And so I just feel like it's a it's a hunger. It's a desire when God says he creates or he's bringing in this generation for a time such as this. Like it just so makes sense right now that um, there is a desire to just be unashamed in their faith. And that's weird because. Um, I think the word Christian sometimes can have such a negative connotation, but they're really working hard to be like, no, I'm going to redefine what it means to be a believer of Christ. That's so good. Kelly, it's amazing. And as you're talking, I'm reminded of the story of John Wesley and the pulpits of England were close to him. And yet he had this fire in his belly to preach. And Mm -hmm. so he went to the fields and preached and crowds showed up and, and there's a story of, of, one onlooker saying to another, why are you going? You don't even believe that. And the guy responded, well, he believes that. So I want to hear what he has to say. And I I think that what you're talking about is authority and Mm -hmm. conviction and a depth and a substance that I agree. I agree that Gen Z is looking for an experience of their own and the wisdom and depth and substance. And, um, you know, as we're talking, the very last conversation that we literally just had on this podcast was with Dr. George Barna, Mm -hmm. who came out with a lot of that research that you were just mentioning. He just shared with us us yesterday, seven keys to biblical literacy. And Mm -hmm. if you embrace and pursue living out all seven of these beliefs, you have an 83% likelihood of developing a biblical worldview. If it's a mix of the six, or only wow. one or two, you only have a 2% chance of developing a biblical worldview. Here's the seven from Dr. Barna. Mm-hmm. These are the seven key beliefs as a lifestyle to develop a biblical worldview. Number one, knowing God personally. Number two, the fact that we are sinners, but three, that Jesus offers salvation. Mm-hmm. Four, this is where it gets controversial, but there is absolute moral truth. And that goes to the fifth one, that the Bible is God's word and our source for absolute moral truth. Mm-hmm. Sixth is that we can know what a successful life looks like through the Bible. And number seven, our purpose is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what I love and get fired up about when we talk to you and youth alive in general is the focus on student leadership. And I think that we as young adult ministry mm-hmm. leaders would do well to listen up right here because our call and our mandate is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry in the marketplace, in workplaces, neighborhoods, families, mm-hmm. dorms, everywhere we go, schools. And um, one of the groups that's doing it really well with the next generation mm-hmm. is Youth Alive. We were just at Youth Alive one day. So you can talk about that. But what I want to hear is there's a whole pipeline across the state of Minnesota championing the local church to raise up student leaders. Talk about that process of what's involved, 
What is Youth Alive doing? And how are you raising up student leaders to really be a campus missionary or ambassador for Christ on their, their public school? Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, yeah, why one day was, um, it's our second year doing it. So Youth Alive One Day is a five-hour training. It's a Sunday before I see you at the poll. It's kind of like our last, I don't, like this is what kids leave camp the summer and they're excited about God and they're excited about what God's going to do in their school. And then you get in the first couple of weeks and I, I hate to say it, but reality kind of hits you of like, oh man, this didn't go exactly how I thought it was going to be. Or like, oh, my friends are stuck in this or doing that, or this is, this is what I am in, in, in life every single day. And so um, this is kind of like a kick restart, you know, like get, get back on track kind of day. And so it's really, really quick. And so we had 360 um, gather with us on a Sunday, which that's just, that's way more than we ever expected. And God was just showed up in amazing ways. Um, pretty much we had Reggie Dabs come in, speak, just encourage students on what, like, like, this is what God's calling you to do. Like you can be half in, you can like say you're a believer, but if you really have been transformed by God, like it's something to share with the world about and kind of that's the whole message of the day. And then when you do breakout sessions and you, we had an ask anything panel, which um, like, that's a scary thing to even do. But I thought that the students really appreciated and loved that. I had a lot of positive comments of like, I could ask a question that maybe I've been wondering and didn't know who to ask, but we had wise, wise, wise people on the board, which is like a total God thing that all those people said yes. Um, and so uh, the day was just amazing. It was really, really cool to just see how it all worked out. But we we love to connect with students because here's the thing. As much as a youth pastor wants to get into the doors of their school, as much as a lead pastor, as much as uh, youth leaders, parents, whatever, the one who has complete access to that facility and they have a lot of rights, a lot, a lot of rights that they don't even know about is a student. And so we don't just work with public students. We work with private, charter, homeschool, online, everything. But our hope is that we just get students ignited, that we ignite a passion, help ignite a passion inside of them, that God is calling them to do something. Um, and for some youth lives in in the nation, that's Bible studies. And, and that's what they focus on heavily. Um, in the state of Minnesota, we believe that if students do one of five things, which is pray, all right, we have it worked out with our fingers, pray, love, love people like um, God loves them, serve, okay, serve at your school in some way, uh, give, whether that's give up maybe a status, maybe you sacrifice something financially, uh, to see people come to know Jesus or share the gospel. If you can do one of those five things, we call you a student leader because I don't believe that every single student is called to lead a Bible study. Um, but some of them, God is calling them to attend the Bible study that the kids are leading, if that makes sense. Um, and so some kids, we just like we've had students who've prayed through their whole entire um, yearbook or pray for their classroom. We have different praying techniques, but we just feel like what's God calling you to do? What's one thing you can do? Use your talents, your giftings to do that. And so we just come alongside students to say dream um, and just say, hey, what can that do? Over this last summer, we've really focused on sharing the gospel because um, if we're talking about biblical literacy, you say that the Bible um, is 100 percent truth. It's it's. Um, all these different things that we believe as believers. The thing is, there's many 
people who don't open up the Bible until they see it lived out in someone's life. So we really focused on like, hey, you may need to be the person who shares the gospel and no one's going to really listen to what you say unless your life is transformed and changed. And so you have to know your testimony. So that's some things that we've been really working with students is we want students to understand, hey, this is what our testimony is. Um, and people can argue with you about the Bible, but people can't argue about your own experience with God. Because that's an encounter you've had. And so they can say, well, that's weird or I don't understand it. But that's an experience that you've had. And so no so no one can deny your experience, but they can try and argue with you about the word of God, even though it is 100% truth. It's what we live our lives by. And so we just work with students. Some students are starting Bible studies. Some students are leading to you at the polls. Some of them are working on prayer movements. I just was at a church this last Sunday and this girl's like, Hey, I'm on a dance team and I'm homeschooled. And I just want people to know who Jesus is. And she's like, how do I do that? She's like, I'm not outgoing. And I was like, Hey, what if you prayed for one girl every single week and that week you prayed for them, maybe you even asked them how they were doing um, and wrote them an, an encouraging note. Um, and you and she's like, could I include a Bible verse in that in that note? And I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Include a Bible verse and be like, hey, this is a verse that helps me get through or this is a verse I thought of when I was praying for you. And so um, I, I, I don't know if organically is the right way, but we're just trying to get students to be like. I don't have to be at a Bible study to share the gospel. Yeah. Like I don't have to be leading to you at the pole to see my mm -hmm. friends come to know Jesus. I could be on the ice at a hockey rink after my game and kneel down and someone say, why are you kneeling? And be like, Hey, I'm on this ice because God's given me this talent. And I just, I want to thank him for that. And I want to pray for the other team as they leave. It's something I do. And it's that way of just being, how could I take where God's placed me? And how could I impact the people around me? Because then our goal is that they're going to go to a campus. They're going to go to a college campus one day and they're going to be in Chi Alpha or some kind of ministry or something. And we would want them to continue to have this passion of like, okay, now God's placed me here. Now, who can I reach? And then once they leave college, they walk, work into a work or they walk into a workforce, they walk into a neighborhood and it's like, okay, God, now you've placed me here. Who can I reach? And it's just starting mm -hmm. a discipline at a much younger age. I hope that makes Love sense. That. It's powerful. I'm reminded of something that I had forgotten about for about 13, 14 years. But one, uh, I ran across a high school classmate just a few months ago, and he reminded me about something that was on my backpack that I've forgotten about. But when I was a high school student, probably either a junior or a senior, I went to a Youth Alive training. I don't know if it was Destination Campus or called or um, it might have been at summer camp, like the early morning student leaders um, see you at the poll training and praying for your for your campus. Mm -hmm. Really, it was one of those things or something like it. And I remember praying for students for sure from high school. And I remember our youth group was was building a like a youth auditorium and the carpet wasn't laid and we'd write down the names on the cement floor. And those people came to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. But one of my friends reminded me of this, that I had on my backpack, I guess, something that I gotten from Youth Alive, which said, ask me about Jesus. And um, I had forgotten about it. And I look back at high school. And if I'm honest, I'm like, man, I probably could have been more of an inviter. I probably could have been more bold. But I did put something on my backpack. And a few people asked me about it. And um, I just think of Romans 1, the fact that we are unashamed of the gospel, mm -hmm. 
And that whether it's a sweatshirt or a, a sticker or something on the backpack with social media, a status or a post, but just the idea of a conversation starter and the willingness to be equipped and to, to have the heart. And I guess my prayer for everyone listening, whether they're still in a high school or a college campus, they're in a workplace or a young adult ministry. But the idea is every day we're on mission and that there's people all across our lives that don't know. And so Mm -hmm. we can be people of peace that they can ask. And uh, I'd just be curious to translate the idea of youth alive. Young adult ministry is such a new concept, Kelly. Mm -hmm. A lot of churches are just starting to embrace the idea of, you know what, we've, we've got to really create space for the 18 to 30 year old to be a part of our discipleship pathway in the local church. And maybe it's a small group or a young adult ministry or community of faith. But I think that so many people are starting young adult ministries or strengthening them and help us translate the idea of student leaders and Mm -hmm. being empowered and empowering others. How can we reach young adults that we are leading and equip them in their spheres of influence to be ministers of the gospel? Help us understand that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like what I'm just seeing is students realize at a young age that they can have such an influence. You know, we see influencers, that term like thrown out there so many times um, in today's world, but um, no, them recognizing their influence they have and that everyone does have influence. I believe that there are some students who have believed the lies that um, I don't have what that person has. Um, I don't fit into this normal mold. And so my influence is, is not it doesn't matter almost is kind of like their mindset. Like I meet with homeschool students and I'm going to meet with one today and she's a homeschool student and she um, goes, she met with me or saw me at an event and she goes, Hey, ah, you do youth alive. Right. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, I messaged you after why one day God's been speaking in my heart. And she goes, I'm a homeschool student, but I want to see a Bible study happen at my public high school. And I was like, what's that public high school? She listed it off. And I was like, I can give you names, like 20 names right now of students who've come to our trainings that go to that high school. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I just don't know, like being a homeschool student, how would I even get this started? And I said, Carmela, you may be like the little light, the little light of fire that someone else needs to be like, if this homeschool student has a passion for my high school, why don't I have that same passion and that same desire? And so I think it's really like just just getting students, young adults. And here's what I'd say. You guys, our worlds are starting to intermix more than ever because like we've got a good chunk of PSEO students that are high schoolers, but they're on the college campuses. And that's like a confusing element because they're like, I'm a young adult. And I'm like, I mean, you're 16, but yeah, sure. You're, you're, you're a young adult. You know, they're kind of like confused a little bit by that little break um, here in the state of Minnesota, which is post-secondary education where they can do college as a high school student. Um, but it's just getting them to understand, Hey, I have a, I have influence in some way I can make an impact um, and, and really equipping them to be people who are like, okay, so if I have influence and I have impact what is that? Start to pray about it. 
um, and start to really say, we need to invite the Holy Spirit into every single day. I would say that is that is my desire this year more than ever before, is that the Holy Spirit would be something our students and our young adults are longing for is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because if we take the Holy Spirit out of our every single everyday activities, like you can read the word, you can like know what it says, you can be like attendance at every single event. But if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, you're missing some huge God moments that he wants to use you. And so I would just say we need students to understand that they have influence. Um, it may be different than someone else's, but they have an influence that like no one else does. The second thing is, is that I think that we just need to get them to start to invite the Holy Spirit in and pray for every single day for that impact to happen. And um, it's it doesn't have to be crazy, weird things. I think we expect like God moments to be like this, like, like outlandish, crazy thing. Um, the other day I was talking to, I was getting ready in the morning. Here we go. I was getting ready in the morning and this person's name popped in my head. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to text them. I'm just going to say, Hey, I'm praying for them. And I did pray for them. Okay. I just didn't say it. I, I prayed for them <laughs> and I prayed for them. And, um, I said, Hey, I'm praying for you today. For some reason you popped in my head this morning. I felt like I need to tell you you're loved. You're beautiful. Um, you're a masterpiece. And I hope you have an amazing day. Text me back. Um, it's a college student. She texts me back and she says, you have no idea how much I meant. That. Yeah. I needed that today more than any other day. It's those types of moments that God is planting seeds. And I think we expect like this moment where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm going to share the gospel today and someone's going to come to know Jesus. Yes, that could be true. Otherwise, I could be a person who's just being obedient to the Holy Spirit and there's a seed being planted that maybe two years down the road or someone else, a Chi Alpha uh, pastor will be able to like have someone come to their youth ministry and been like, someone was praying for me. I, they said that God put me on their heart and then someone invited me to Chi Alpha and I was like, man, I need to be here Yeah, because obviously God wants to do something in my heart. And so it's just, we have influence. It may not be always what we think it should look like, but God wants to use us and we need to invite the Holy Spirit into every single day. That's so good. Kelly, I even, you even hit it. Yes. That's so good. I think you even hit it right there when you had said the power of an invitation. I think the thing is we, we, we fail to recognize every single individual on planet earth is one invitation away from saying yes to Jesus. Yep. Like they're one invitation away of going to heaven. Like all it is, is one person being bold enough to have drawing from the Holy spirit, the strength, the supernatural strength to open their mouth, to in the, to invite, whether that is a youth student, a young adult student, a coworker. And we all have fears. We all have concerns, but I just love the fact that you're training youth to do the work of the ministry before they get into the year adult, the, the adulting years. And I can't tell you how many young adults that we've come across the last, I don't know, five to 10 years of doing ministry together and really realizing that the, the young adults, majority of them have never even prayed out loud or been prayed for by someone out loud. Yes. So even yep. just last weekend, we have this, this young man that we came across, there's 11 um, kids in their entire family. He's, I believe in his early twenties, he's like, I've never been prayed over. And we're like, well, can we be the first ones? Can we be the first couple to stand in, in multiple roles as parents, as a, as a, as a mom and as a dad, you know, spiritual parental figures more or less, and just pray a parental blessing over exactly. you. And I think, mm. I think sometimes like when we, as young adult ministry leaders, we come across a lot of unchurched 
people who don't have the the prayer developed. Um, they have that fear, that worry, and they try to disqualify themselves. Uh, but they all walk through those doors because somebody invited them or they came across something somewhere that said young adults was happening here on this night. And a majority of them will say, I almost turned away. Like I parked in my car in the parking lot, sat there for half an hour and almost drove away until somebody saw me and waved me in, you know, so even just the power of creating opportunities for young adults, not only to be empowered and to develop, excuse me, develop those skills that we need to take everywhere we go, but to say, you know what, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to bring you underneath my wing. Um, I'm going to come alongside you in this season of life. Can I pray for you? And I just think that what you're doing with youth is only preparing the soil for the future of leaderships and their roles even more significantly, because there was, there's this gap of millennials where a majority, quote unquote, 66% were walking away from the church. Now millennials are having children realizing, okay, so faith hasn't really been a part of my life the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. Now I'm having littles and churches become a thing again. So we're even seeing millennials in their early thirties saying, Hey, I'm back. Yeah. I haven't been here for 15 years, but I'm back. So I would even say just like, what can we as church leaders and pastors what do we need to do or what can we do just to create those discipleship opportunities for the next gen in the churches if they have been unchurched or coming in for the first time? Like, what would you say to the church leader to decrease their fear, um, but increase their curiosity of what God has? Yeah, I would say um, we just have to, I would, this is what I feel like when I speak um, from a speaking standpoint, when I'm speaking in front of teenagers, I mean, I have to break down things that I never thought I used to break down. Uh, one time I, I heard a pastor say, Hey, we're going to go to the biographies of Jesus's life. And I was like, what? And he was talking about the gospels and they're the story of Jesus's life. And I'm like, see, that's taking, they know what a biography is right? It's a story of someone's life. They understand that. But now we're taking that and saying the gospels are a biography. And I was like, oh man, like I just say, we're going to go to the four, we're going to go to one of the four gospels, which like in my mind makes sense. But for those who are on church or even like you were churched and then you left the church, like I um, had a junior Bible quiz for our church. Um, and it's amazing. The parents are like, my kids are learning things that I have no idea about like I didn't even know this information and so I think we just have to start using terminology that people understand you know hey I'm going to open up to the book of Mark it's in the second half of the Bible which is the New Testament um and then there's the Old Testament just explaining some basic things but um you know opening up platforms to have honest conversations um I think is so incredibly important of just like hey come as you are yeah. we get that concept but then we're not going to leave you as you are. So like God wants to do something in you who wants to speak to you. He brought you here for a reason. Um, but then just breaking down like simple topics and understanding some basic things. But then I feel like now we've got to not just address the basic topics, but then let's help them grow and disciple. And I'm going to steal from th something from Terry Parkman because we did a podcast with him. But he says um, biblical discipleship. Um, produces or goes towards evangelism. And so I think it's just like saying like, okay, so now 
Now we're getting to understand the basics. Let's now give opportunities for growth. Um, I just see like in youth ministries across our area, um, there's like deep dives is what they call them, but it's a night outside of a Wednesday night where they're literally going verse by verse. And in my generation of youth ministry, you're like, oh, I got to go to my youth pastor's house. We're going to do a verse by verse. Like that's not, <laughs> that wasn't like, the diving of my heart that I wanted to do. It was like, okay, we're going to go verse by verse. We'll see how this goes. I'll learn some things, which would be awesome. But now I see it different where kids are like, okay, I'm learning stuff on Wednesday night, but I want something more. I want to understand what this has more. So giving them more opportunities of not underestimating what they're wanting, what their desire is. I am, I've also learned that sometimes I sell students short of like, they would never be interested in this. And then I find them being interested in it where I'm like, Hey, let's meet and come early for prayer. And I'm like, one or two kids will show up. And then like 10 kids show up for prayer. And I'm like, I never expected like kids to be like, yes, I want to come early for prayer. So I just, there is just giving them those opportunities, not selling them short, but just speaking simply, um, bringing it to their world and where they are. I don't know. I don't have a lot of wisdom on that because I kind of am not in that pastoral church role. Um, but I would just say what I see in students is that when we do break it down into their terms that they can understand, they're like, okay, I start to see how this can mm -hmm. apply to my life. Now I desire to really yeah. want to know more and draw yeah. more. Yeah. Kelly, it's so good. I'm just thinking about my life right about 2024, starting to think about the new year, setting goals, all those different things. And um, where this is landing as a conversation for me is I just think that it's so, so important. And one of the things that I've kind of always lived by is once you're on my team, you're always on my team. Like if I played baseball with you 14 years ago, I still think you're my teammate. And I think that there is the capacity to have lifelong friendships that are sticky and invitation into relationships. And this could be in my world, people I went to high school with or college with or worked with at a job that I had for eight years. Um, it could be my parents' neighbors who they still live by, but I have a relationship with. And here's why I think this. Social media has actually got a few benefits and I'm passionate about redeeming the benefits of social media that work digitally connected to people across the globe, mm -hmm. even when maybe you're not in daily proximity with, because um, the more that I've been removed from high school or removed from college, the harder it is to be around intentionally around people who are not saved because I've worked at a church. We're mm -hmm. in full-time ministry, but I just think that something that I'm really passionate about is, yes, we can do street evangelism, and there's definitely a place for this. But where I've seen the most fruit in my life is people that I've already got relational equity with, mm -hmm. and that might be from way back in high school. And then I came across this, I think it was from North Point Community Church. One of the things that they train their staff all across Atlanta and they they uh, train their congregation or community with is anytime somebody's number one, new, number two, has something unexpected in their life, number three, a need in their life or a loss in their life. Mm -hmm. They are trained as a church community to double down on an invitation to church, or it could be man, somebody lost 
a loved one, or they lost a pet that was a part of their family, or they have a need mm-hmm. in their life. They're somebody's hospitalized or all these different things. But mm-hmm. what I look for is it's almost like anytime somebody just moved, they had a job change or job loss that they didn't expect. They have a need in their life. Maybe it's in their marriage or with one of their kids or a family member or a loss in their life. They're super open to an invitation. And babe, before we do that five and five, Mm. I want you to talk about somebody who's been reaching out to you, who's not even a Christian, but they've really been encouraging you in a way that sometimes is better than most Christians are encouraging. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I think I feel like I'm in the season of life. And I think we may have talked in the past, I don't know, a couple of years ago about this, of trying to find women of faith who are true, deep, meaningful friendships that you have the capacity for, like you need to create those opportunities. And I've just been really been praying. I was like, Lord, show me who my true friendships are. Like, who are my lifelong friendships? And all of a sudden this girl has popped out of nowhere. She started following me on Instagram and she messages me literally every day, an encouraging word and a Bible verse. And I, I'll give it a love. I, I literally read every single day for the last at least six months. And I'm like, she is incredible. And then uh, I come to find out that she is actually more encouraging than a majority of the women in my life, my so-called friends who are believers in my life. And I have more contact with her every single day than some of the friends that live 10 minutes away from me that I've seen maybe twice this entire year, which is my mind insane. Um, and I come to find out that she's a Jehovah witness. Out of all the people that could encourage me as a pastor, as a female in ministry, God brings a Jehovah witness into my life who is encouraging me with scripture and literally with truth every single day. And I, I'm just astonished because it really caused me to be like, look inwardly, not only say like, not only like, what do I need? Where are all my friends encouraging me with Bible verses? Like that, not that petty thought. It was more like, Oh, have, she's doing a better job than I am. And it really convicted me to really look at like, who are the people around me that God has placed and what am I doing that it's so simple, an easy text, a voice memo. Like, and I do that occasionally, but I'm like, no, I want to buckle down on the importance of friendship, the importance of time and where people are going with eternity. So I, I don't know, I don't know who that was for today, but I'm like, I was really convicted. I'm like, wow. If I have the answer and the answer is Jesus and Jehovah Witnesses are doing a better job than half of my friends, do I need to become a better friend or do I need to pray that God would just strengthen the hearts of my friends? I don't really know. I mean, I'm not to the point of cutting people out like that crazy, but I'm just like, wow, what a testimony it is that she's living on mission, on on purpose each and every single day, impacting which I don't even know if she knows I'm a pastor or a believer, but it's like, wow, she has not given up. She won't relent. <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to speak to that for a second is it, I don't know a lot about the Jehovah witness. So don't like, I don't, don't either, to, but <laughs> I don't claim to be a person who's all wisdom about what they're, what they're studying and stuff. But I do know they have a huge focus on bringing people into the faith um, yes. and what their faith is. And so, I mean, they even spend a certain particular time of their life on mission. And so here's what I'm seeing is I'm seeing like, I mean, I've actually had a Jehovah witness reach out to me in the last couple of years too. Um, and so what I'm seeing is someone who's been something spoken into them, uh, you know, at church on a regular basis, this is who we are. This is what we're about. So my question is this, is that as believers, you know, in our faith, are we 
stepping up and that's a message we're sharing in our Kayalfas, in our youth ministries on a Sunday morning, that we're not here just to exist and figure out Jesus in our lives, but we're here to be a work in progress that says, I don't know if I'm quite hundred percent got all my act together, but I'm going to share the name of Jesus and the testimony I've experienced, which is literally what they're doing over and over and over again. And, um, I just think that's what we have to be about. If we want to create that culture, it's something that we speak about every single week. And I'll share this really quick. If you want to know the youth ministries that are piping with like students who are excited about Jesus, starting Bible studies, sharing Jesus, they are students who their youth pastors have been speaking it and it's their heart and their desire. And so if you're a leader and you're like, this is what I desire in my, in the students I'm leading and the individuals I'm leading, it has to be something that you're living out every single day. It has to be something that you're speaking about. You can speak about so many different topics, but somehow it ends back with this. This is our mission. This is our desire is that we don't end with just consuming Jesus, but sharing Jesus and getting uncomfortable. And when that's the message that's Spoken every single week, it starts to be the heartbeat of your students. Our church, what my pastor says is what we define ourselves to be and our mission in our mind. And it's our minute, our ministry is not just done inside these walls, but it's what goes outside of these walls. And that's everyone in my church should tell you that because he says it every single week, no matter what the message is about, we come back to that. So I love that. That's so good. It's amazing. And what we love to do, Kelly, is um, this is so practical. We love to just have a little bit of fun, throw five minutes on the clock and do rapid fire five and five, five minutes, five questions. You up for that challenge? Sure. Let's do it. Let's bring it. Number one, we ask every guest, why do you believe that discipling the next generation and specifically young adult ministry is so vital and so important? Hmm. Okay, really quick. Um, I heard someone say this, and I think it's incredibly powerful. You can only, the next generation can only go as far as the generation before them has gone, or like they can only go as far further, depending on the generation before them. So I think it's incredibly important that we disciple. I was just at a Sunday morning service. I know five minutes, I'm horrible. Uh, disciple at a Sunday morning service speaking, and an older gentleman in his like 70s gets up, shares a word from the Lord. It could not have been, been better written. Literally, after he gets done speaking, he almost collapses into the chair and just starts praising Jesus, okay, um, and just is overwhelmed by the Spirit. And I was like, that needs to happen across this whole entire world because that is that is getting students in the next generation to say, man, this is what it looks like to know Jesus, to be in, in sync with the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's so important that we disciple because there is wisdom from the previous generation to be poured into the next generation. And that wisdom will only propel the next generation to go further and, and much farther than we could ever have gone in ours. That's so good. Okay, here's a fun one. What is a fun hobby you enjoy outside of any form of ministry? Okay, I love to cook. Cook is like my decompressing. I also love to work out, but with four children, my workout usually is like a child trying to do the workout with me, which is even less of a workout than even doing it. So cooking is probably my main hobby right now. Okay. Number three then is going to be off script, but what's your go-to meal? Like a lot of chefs or cooks, they have like their 
staple item. Yeah, yeah. If if you were cooking a meal, what 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 would you like? What's your go to? Okay, well, my favorite thing to eat is street tacos because it can go so many different ways. So um, that could be like fish tacos. Mahi mahi is like the favorite meal in this house for my kids too. They love mahi mahi, uh, shrimp tacos, uh, chicken tacos. Oh, it's all good. So street tacos is probably just a huge one here. That's your jam. Do you like fresh lime on those? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Awesome. I go by like a huge thing at Sam's Club of limes. <laughs> You're speaking our language over here. Okay. Here is the curveball, Kelly. If you could ask Josiah and myself any question, ministry, non-ministry related, uh, what would you ask us today? Yeah. So I would say five years from now, if all limitations were taken off, like anything that could hold you back um, or could hold your dreams back, what would your dream be five years from now to see happen in young adults? Ooh. You want to go first? Sure. We probably I mean, share similar, but yeah, I guess in 2012, <laughs> Kelly, uh, I, I had some career plans. God had asked me to cancel them more around 2010, stopped going to business school, went into North Central for ministry. And I'm getting ready to go into my last year at North Central, read the book of Ecclesiastes in my parents' living room one summer in one sitting, realized like life is meaningless. The prayer then is God, give my life meaning. And somewhere around that time, I just felt like I escaped from reading the book of Ecclesiastes and God visited me with the vision of seeing tens of thousands of young adults on their knees, surrendering their hands in worship. So I think it's that 10,000 vision of reaching young adults for Christ. I think what has happened the past few years in our state and in our district is really encouraging. But I just think mm -hmm. of one thing is what if we could help raise up in every state or in every district or even in every denomination, um, somebody who's championing young adult ministry, ringing the bell like a bellwether. There's this concept that Jeff Grinnell shared with me that a bellwether is one sheep that just wears a bell and it rings. And that's how the shepherd knows where the sheep are and where they're going to go. And the other sheep follow it. And I feel like we're called to ring the bell for 18 to 30 year olds so that they're not absent, so that yeah. they're not a forgotten generation, but they're a generation that's prayed for and seen and valued and reached for Christ and equipped. And so I think to borrow from Craig Rochelle, everything short of sin to reach young adults for Christ, that's our jam. That's what yeah. gives us the juice. And I think training other leaders, seeing them equipped, um, the, and, and so that might be vague or ambiguous, but I just see mm -hmm. such a void, such a need. And we're just kind of like, why not here? Why not now people and see a need, meet a need people, both Mike and I. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think what goes through my mind. Yeah. And I think for me personally is to know Jesus more, to make him known to others and to equip people, like Josiah said, in the process. So culture can change and we can bring people back to the heart of Christ that we're not falling into the ways of the world and that people have the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit to give them that boldness, to give them that power, to give them that ability truly to see the 
dead people walk again to see the dead rise. And I'm talking about the walking dead. I'm talking about the physical dead. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. And I think if we can be those people that fan into flame, not only the young adult or the youth rising up, but the person who's leading those young adults to live true, pure, and holy lives, to break the chains of pornography, to break the chains of whatever secret sin and addiction to break the chains of generational curses that have been passed down and passed down and passed down, whether that's violence, whether that's anger, whether that's um, things against the church, whether that's, I don't know, any form of addiction, divorce, whatever that is, is to see people fully understand the fact that they can be whole in Christ, even though we are unholy people, um, but we're called to be holy. Like we're all on a journey. We're never going to be perfect. But I just think that if people could experience freedom and stop living in the lies and taking comfort in the lies of the enemy, that's one of my greatest things is to pray into. In addition to seeing Christian marriages, don't settle along the way. I want to see pure, holy Christian marriages succeed and begin and leave a legacy. Like we want to live and leave a legacy that's going to outlast us. And the one thing we can't do when we get to heaven, is to share Jesus. So it's like until the last breath is in our lungs, we won't re- we won't relent, we won't come down and I think of Nehemiah like I want people to know that God has given them something to build and you're doing a great work and you cannot come down. So how do I eliminate the distractions of the sand ballots? How do I call it the thugs by name? I'm not going to come down and justify this meal with the enemy just for the sake of handing over a birthright like all these different things that we see in scripture that have been done. We have been given direction and correction and the ability to love between truth and grace. And I think that if we can have whole people live whole healthy lives and point people to him, holy cow, like that's why we do what we do. So in a 10 minute answer. (laughs) Wow. It's good. It's good. I love it. I love it. I love the passion that comes behind you guys. You have vision, you have passion. And you guys invite the Holy Spirit into everything you do. So young adults are in good hands with God using you guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for plowing through their hearts with people you work with. So they're they're ready for those later years of life. (laughs) So, so kind of you to say, Kelly. And hey, the last question, five and five is, man, what would be one piece of hope or courage or boldness as a challenge of encouragement that you'd want to leave the listener with today? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to steal something because you know what? Like sometimes someone else has said it better than I. And um, I was listening to a podcast by some very famous people. Um, And this one individual said, I'll blame her, Jackie Hill Perry. She said, um, boldness is God calling us to death to self and self-empowerment. And I just think the biggest thing sometimes holding us back is ourselves. And, um, I, I, I see it in my own life is that sometimes I'm like, God, that can't happen. And he's like, can you take yourself out of it and realize I'm the one who's actually doing it? I'm just using you, um, as a tool, as a, as a way to make this happen. And, um, that would be my encouragement is, man, if we could just take ourselves and our small mind of trying to comprehend what God's trying to do, his plans are so much bigger than our plans and his ways are so much bigger than our ways. So I would just say, man, I hope I wake up every single day and I deny myself, not saying I have to like not have, you know, nice clothes or those things. It doesn't have to be that. Deny the thinking 
that my the world revolves revolves around myself, which is how culture and the world have taught us to think is that the world revolves around ourselves and our ideas and our thoughts. And so, man, I just I want to deny the the Kelly inside of me and invite the Holy Spirit in. Wow, that's so good. That's a wonderful thing to leave us with and the listener with is the prayer that kind of goes in my mind with that is Lord expand my mind so then you can expand my territory, you know, and help me to steward that. So, oh, what a great conversation we've had with you. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome. You are so welcome. And if you want to know more about Kelly, Patrick, and Youth Alive, please connect with us on any and all platforms of youngadults.today. And happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know.